Wake up Thursday morning. We got another song to start off the podcast. For the black, they feel like Kevin and Robin and Rock'em and Tiggy and 40 be quiet. Niggas recording, you wanna talk with the dub and I'm housing that bitch. Bleed it to death, feed all my niggas, then leave it to death. I been so good with this shit, do you live it to die? All them niggas bereaving your steps. Uh, uh, mama, I just wanna shine. Pussy ass nigga, go lean on the breath. Isaiah Rashad smile. Track dropped over seven years ago. Still listening to it. A true classic. Y'all know the deal. My back. I'ma go harder though, I'ma go harder though. Look at the murder goat. Smoking the artichoke. Did what you want it, ain't did what you want it. They dissing the carter folk. I'ma flip me a bitch in the morning, no. I'ma flip me a bitch in the morning, no. I'ma flip me a bitch and my partners talk shit with my niggas. Ain't this why we in it, ain't this why we did it. Made it back home. Pocket full of money. Goddamn, them niggas might smile when they see him. Nigga made it back home. Pocket full of money, goddamn. Them niggas might smile when they see him. All right, all right. Vivid Nectar Podcast, episode 273, Ace Wonder of the World, Alexander Roman, right here. And I just want to start off by saying this is actually going to be a lot shorter than expected. I did have an episode recorded for you guys this morning, close to, you know, 40, close to an hour, 40 minutes plus. But due to technical difficulties that to be real with y'all completely blindsided me. I will be having to delay the episode till most likely Monday. I'll probably drop it sooner. I'll see what I could do here. But y'all know I have to feed you something Mondays and Thursdays, whatever the case is. We're going to keep um, keeping it consistent, keeping the content being fed. Yeah, but this is one of those situations that you know, definitely just it, it just sucked ass um, after everything just sort of almost what I would like to believe to be like everything set. Now it was just a matter of putting everything together. The footage just completely, I don't know at what point didn't go through, didn't get saved, but it didn't, it didn't pan out well. All right. It didn't work out well. Now, instead of me just sitting here talking about why didn't it work out, why I couldn't have been better or not even record an episode at all. We're just, we're just going to make it work. We're just going to make it work. So I actually want to take it towards the NBA route, starting off with this episode. And we'll go from here. Kawhi Leonard has suffered a torn meniscus, which is obviously terrible for him. Not only is it just going to delay his career, not only is it going to be another pivotal, grueling recovery process for the claw, the Terminator. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Why haven't we used that nickname a bit more? The Terminator. But it's just pretty unfortunate for the entire team and just for the fans of his game, fans for the NBA. And to top it off, of course, we have Paul uh, Paul George, who's, I believe, recovering at the moment from his injury whenever his knee got hyperextended. And it just goes to show you that the Clippers curse is running rampant full on is just ruining things left and right. But all, all jokes aside with the Clippers curse, this leaves a lot of questions for the future of the Clippers, the future of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and just unfortunately, this state of the NBA where players are just more injury prone. And I'm not going to go on to the whole reason why, but as for now, for Kawhi Leonard, I, I can't see a situation where 
he's going to be healthy for a playoff series. It's, it's unfortunate. And not only is he not going to be healthy for a playoff series, but not, he's not going to be able to show out. He's not going to be able to play a 42. We know that, but not even scratch a 60, not even scratch a 60 game season, which is also unfortunate that, you know, something that we've been dealing with ever since he's been with the Spurs. But it's also unfortunate that's just it looks like this is a battle that with with resting, with proper treatment, with proper strength training, it doesn't seem like this is something that's going to go away. Obviously, right. I know new information there, but this doesn't seem like something that. All right. It's just a matter of resting him. It's just a matter of striking a balance between how hard he's going to go. This looks like, hey, you're at this tail end of your career in arguably your prime. (laughs) It's sort of weird. Um, Kawhi dropping um, crazy crazy numbers when he does play, showing off in the playoffs, and then, of course, physically just not being able to continue onward. But being put in this situation is like, all right, you're sort of in the tail end of your career, also in your prime. And you're getting paid big money by the Clippers. You're getting paid max money. And if Kawhi Leonard wants to continue to flourish the best he can with the most he has available... I don't believe it would be in the best for him to be the number one option anymore, which is, I wouldn't even say that crazy to say, because we've seen time and time again, injuries come back. And it's going to be a hard reality for Kawhi Leonard to know that, listen, no matter how cold, no matter how nasty, ill you are on the court, that you, you're just not able to hold up well. And this raises questions for the future of the Clippers, of course. Kawhi Leonard, do you want to continue to pay Kawhi Leonard max money or even big money, knowing that there's an incredibly high chance that he won't play a lot of games? He's easily going to miss 30, 40 games. Of course, with the tournament is because now he's probably going to be gone for over a year. For a guy that if he does return, if he is rested and he's playing in the playoffs, giving you incredible, incredible performance, most likely he's going to get injured or have to rest even in the playoffs. And at that point, is this money even worth it? Spending it on a guy that has, where the end is closer than you would like. Would you rather invest this money into a new baller, into a new future? And for Kawhi Leonard, are you willing to sacrifice the game that you have left to potentially be a bit, in the, a bit in the background, you know, for somebody like Kawhi Leonard, will he be willing to accept less money for a lesser role, but to potentially have a huge impact? Like, could you imagine Kawhi Leonard coming off the bench for a Clippers team? And I, I don't know what this Clippers team would look like, but for Kawhi Leonard to come off the bench with whatever new infrastructure we have is... It's pretty insane. It would be pretty insane. Of course, he would still be injury prone. So it's not like all of a sudden he's 10 times. His longevity increases tenfold, but it is a pretty intense wild card to have. Of course, I'm not going to leave out Paul George, who has also, also suffered plenty of injuries and is injury prone. Most of what I said for Kawhi Leonard would go hand in hand with Paul George. Maybe a little bit less because Paul George doesn't seem to have um, as serious, serious problems in regards to his knees and legs compared to Kawhi. But with that, are we, well, not, I'm not, not we, I'm not a Clippers fan. Let me slow down here. But as a, just a fan of the game, 
are the Clippers willing to pay Paul George big money for somebody who's also having just minor injuries left and right, some, some ones that take him out for a bit? Because this is a team that has doubled down on the fact that they're committed to these players. Well, how far are you willing to go with these players? Pretty, pretty insane situation. These playoffs have been um, great, have incredible highs and unfortunately some significant lows such as this. Now, going on from here, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, a hell of a performance, hell of a performance. I was only able to catch bits and pieces and then eventually most of the highlights, but 56 points in a playoff game against the Bucks with Giannis on the floor. Showing out 100%, 100%, two extremely clutch back-to-back threes in the fourth quarter and an insane, what was it, 21, 23 points within the first quarter, setting the tone, showing the intensity, letting everybody in the arena know, I'm here to stay. From start to finish, I have my foot on the gas pedal. It's these moments where I think to myself, does Joel Embiid wake up and just think about Jimmy <laughs> sometimes? When before he goes to sleep, does he just thinks about, man, what if we just would have traded Tobias Harris and kept Jimmy Butler. How far would we have gotten in the playoffs? Would we have reached the finals? Would we have won a ring? Now I'm speaking for Joel Embiid here a bit because I don't know the guy, but I can just see myself in his shoes. All right. I, listen, I'm not six foot nine or seven foot, but I felt hurt knowing that Jimmy Butler was not chosen over Tobias Harris. So for him, a couple tears are shed on a nightly basis. But going back into Jimmy, there, there's something, there's something Jimmy Butler has that no other NBA player in the NBA has. No, no, it's not, it's not the Kobe mentality. It's not the inner Jordan in him. It might be the secret stuff from Space Jam, but at this point, I'm being a little too, I'm being a little too imaginative. And it's that I know exactly what it is. Actually, we've seen a glimpse of it in the 2020 Finals, 2020 playoffs, and it's that Jimmy Butler coffee. <laughs> Let me stop playing around. It's just an incredibly strong will, an extremely strong passion to win, to grit it out, and to sh- and to show out the best way possible. Listen, we're not seeing these this kind of Jimmy Butler in the regular season, but whenever it comes time to the playoff season to flip the switch, whenever the game slows down, whenever we have more half court sets, when it's less AAU sprinting, and now it's a bit of a grind where the tough bucket getters have to get bucket after bucket. I I believe it adds to his fuel. It's something that he thrives in. The greater the challenge, the greater the performer Jimmy Butler is. And with that, and to finish it off in this 56 point performance, plenty of physical contact, slashing at times, jumpers, middies, and just doing like any, any, any particular spot on the floor was not untouched by Jimmy Butler. Unfathomable. I can't really add anything onto here that you probably haven't thought of or we probably haven't spoken about already. But I need to give my two piece on this because, hey, these playoff series, it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. Now, going on from Jimmy Butler, I want to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks. Whoa, whoa. I, I, I'm talking about the GOAT. The GOAT. 
Not necessarily. I believe at this point of the recording, the Grizzlies just beat the Lakers by about 16 points. Didn't check out the game, of course, because I was dealing with technical difficulties over here, finalizing this podcast for y'all. But with that, this narrative of painting Brooks as the villain is sensational. I love it. It it, You can't have a better narrative. Now, there are some highlights and some negatives that do come with this. Whenever it comes time for Brooks to own up to these villainous acts, to the talks, to the conversation, when it comes time to face the media, he's been shying away. He's been shying away. And that's something that you don't do whenever you're pumping out your chest and you're staring down LeBron. If you want to set the tone, establish your presence, whenever you lose, you put your head up, pump your chest up, and you continue to be who you were when you were winning. You continue to let everybody know that, hey, I'm going to be the villain. I'm going to continue to be that villain. And I'm going to continue to be that energy for the team. Because as poorly as Dylan Brooks has been performing throughout these playoffs, which is important because I believe this is a contract year for him, he, he wants to get that back. It's a pretty significant year for Dylan Brooks. However, you need to be the spark plug at times for a team, especially the Grizzlies, who they're brutal, they're gritty. As far as the size of the team, everybody, for the most part, large wingspans, big men, in comparison to other teams, you need to be the spark plug. Every team needs a spark plug like this. We've seen grand comparisons to Patrick Beverly. We've seen it to Draymond Green. However, there's a couple variables within this. Draymond Green, four-time NBA champion, a defensive monster, great, extremely unworldly IQ. Patrick Beverly, who does, does what he does. But for Dylan Brooks, embrace being the villain, become that spark plug. And when it comes time to face the media, when it comes time to face the scrutiny, you got to wear it on your sleeve because your team is also relying on this energy. As much as Dylan Brooks is relying on the rest of the Grizzlies, they're relying on him. And I just want to say shouts out to Dylan Brooks for wiping away most of the the narrative with John Moran and the whole gun situation. We went went from, what was it, like a turbulent two to three weeks of John Moran and rehab potential uh, suspension. How is this looking for sponsors? So I believe Anna Lee Chopper somehow ended up getting hurt from a sponsor because of John Moran. Random. But to now, Dylan Brooks. So we need him to continue to embrace this persona, this these villainous, highness activities to the fullest. Now, I haven't checked up on anything as far as post-conferences, media coverage on Dylan Brooks after this dub against the Lakers. However, if he were to get back to pumping out his chest, I'm going to be disappointed because you can't pick and choose when you want to be the tough guy. You got to be the tough guy 24-7, wear it on your sleeve, deal with the consequences. Because, hey, every team needs a spark plug. Every team needs a spark plug. With that, we're going to transition away from the NBA talk, from the NBA conversations, and we're going to go a bit into music and as far as music, the music AI industry, shouts out to Allen Iverson. Recently, there's been more conversation about AI music splits. I believe it's Grime, an artist who officially tweeted out that anybody who makes music using her voice, AI music of 
her, of course, will receive 50% of royalties once things get finalized, things are, you know, done in the business aspect side of things, which, which is setting a great precedent for this present, for the very moment of AI right now. I could have worded that better because whenever it comes to these conversations at time of AI, everybody's always saying, man, the future is so bright, the future, the future, the future, the future is already here. This has already been in motion. We are now in the part where we're seeing the fruition. We're seeing the end results of years, of years, of years of AI development and training. We're seeing the future. It's already here. Now, I think this is great because, of course, there's been a lot of conversations as far as the legality, labels, not wanting to for this to go crazy, messing up their money, other artists sort of backing it, other artists not. But for Grimes specifically, being that she is independent, to fully embrace it is a very genius move on her end. To have somebody create a song using your voice, using their time, their resources, their effort, and all you have to do is just give them that approval, and now you're eating off of it too, it builds a great relationship to where the artist is able to do crimes in this case, able to do what they need to do. And now you have this whole entire catalog of AI producers, creators that are willing to build another AI discography for you that can also give you money and potentially, who knows, even influence your own music. I think this sets a great foundation for the future of music. As far as the quality, we'll, it looks like we'll have to wait and see what gets approved, what doesn't get approved, what, does, what is considered great AI music that gets shown on streaming platforms. But this goes to show you, for independent artists, the future is looking extremely bright. Uh, I would love to see Russ, his take on this. I haven't seen anything from him as far as AI, but if Russ would also be willing to do the same thing, Russ being an independent artist himself. Now, as far as like labels, I, I believe it's only a matter of time once the legalities are handled where labels are able to fully embrace it and maximize the potential of AI music. I definitely see it working when an artist passes away. It's, it's going to be albums nonstop. There's going to be albums, definitely. Like if there's no music, it's like, hey, we got his voice, we got the contract. This man is our artist till the end of time, producing money non-stop, non-stop, which is pretty, pretty insane to think about. Artists could pass away, but his voice could still be used for decades, hundreds of years going forward. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. If you ask me, wanted to give my piece as far as the, uh, the present the present day motion of AI and uh, music business side of things. With that, I do want to add in that I'm extremely excited for the weekend's show, The Idol, which will be releasing June 4th on HBO Max. The Weeknd already is an incredible, talented artist with an extraordinary vision as far as the way he's able to create these worlds within his music, the way he's able to collaborate with his team on the sets on tour. So to see The Weeknd not only starring as a main character, not only curating, creating a soundtrack for the show Idol on HBO, but also helping with the script, with the scenes, we're going to go into another 
XO universe. And I feel, I believe this is the perfect time for Abel. Abel has shown to be one of the greatest superstars we have ever seen. Phenomenal music, com incredible commercial success, sold out arenas worldwide. And to see him dive in into a show where we're going to be seeing the most screen time we've ever seen from Abel, aside from his music ever. We're going to see him, even though he's acting, just we're going to actually see him talk in these situations, wherever the narrative is going to go. And it's going to feel a little bit unreal. It's going to feel unreal with the fact that now we're seeing so much of him on the TV, on the acting side of things. Now, as a fan for as long as I have, this is, I wouldn't say surprising. Now, I, I, a bit of it was surprising seeing how grand the role is. It isn't like Abel starting off in small pockets, starting off in small roles, building himself up. But it's like, no, he's a star. He's already headlining. He's the main character. It, that, that in itself is surprising. But seeing him go down this route makes sense. The narratives that he has painted, especially in After Hours from, an, from the album in itself, but also in the music videos, has shown great stylistic choices, great cinema, uh, cinematic shots. And even in his facial expressions within these music videos are quite animative, quite emotive, and pretty, how, how would I say it? Pretty, not descriptive, but you, you could follow through. You could follow through whatever he's sort of looking at, the way he gazes upon body movement. It just all adds into the character he plays in these music videos, like whenever he is doing his thing. So the fact that now we're going to have him from a vocal standpoint in the idol, it has me incredibly excited, incredibly intrigued. June 4th, the idol. And whenever 274 gets uploaded, I will be discussing the double fantasy review Double Fantasy Review. I'll be discussing Double Fantasy with Future, which is a, a track that I'm really happy with. I'm really happy with. I don't want to say too much on this episode because I just got to figure out whatever's going on for the next one. But I got the review breakdown going there, the dynamics between the weekend and future. So a little bit, little bit of juice to keep you anticipated, a little something to hold us up, a little something to hold us up. With that, we have finished the first quarter of the year. These first four months when it comes to music, hip hop and rap have satisfied me a bit. I'm not going to lie to y'all and say I've been searching for searching for new artists, new music or been as attentive as I could have been to new releases. But I, I will say these things so far, some of the new albums that have held me down this year. We're going to go to uh, it's going to go towards Lil Yachty. It's going to go to Babytron. And most recently, the at State Sale with Tyler, the creator, which is um, conversations around that album will be coming. The deluxe will be coming around soon as well. I wanted to give myself some time to marinate it, season it, let it cook. And then for my thoughts to finally come out the dish, just ching, ching, perfect. <laughs> I would say those are the three bodies of works that have been holding me down. But most recently, I've just been listening to a bit of throwbacks from the 2010s, listening to some of the Usher, listening to some T-Pain, some of that early R&B, that R&B, <laughs> early R&B that just sort of 
it's been resonating a bit, man. Like sonically, I'm just like, this was a hell of an era. I'm proud to have been able to been alive and experience it on the radios, in the schools, my colleagues, friends, acquaintances, family, we all listening to this together. And to, you know, listening to it right now still sounds fresh, still sounds just as captivating. Of course, nostalgia does play a bit of a factor, but honestly, nostalgia aside, I think it just holds up incredibly well. With that, Vivid Nectar podcast episode 273, we ending it off. Thank you for tuning in for some NBA talk I've been meaning to have. A little bit of music ending it off right here, a little bit of a recap. Thank you for your patience. I promise y'all. This, of course, Thursday, 9 a.m. The next episode is I, I was excited. I was finished. I'm like, hell yeah, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this. Can't wait to chop it up, break it down. Things are a little bit delayed, a little bit delayed. So I want to thank you for your patience. I want to thank you for sticking through with this episode. And I'll catch you guys at the next one. Alexander out.